Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. God's got a straight path for every one of us. He always knows how to get us from point A to point B, okay? Now listen, remember the Israelites in the desert? You know, it was never God's will for them to take 40 years. It wasn't supposed to be 40 years. Now, God knew it was going to take 40 years, but it wasn't supposed to be 40 years. Really, technically, it was a 10-day journey. But they spent most of the time just not trusting in him. Leaning, completely leaning on their own understanding. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Not acknowledging him in all their ways. And so it was a very difficult time for God to, to, to try to lead them. And, and it was, he had, to take them, he had to take them through a hard way. And thank God for his mercy. Thank God that he would show up every morning. In the daytime, it'd be a pillar of smoke. I, I imagine it looked like a tornado. At nighttime, a column of fire. He was so determined that he was going to get them where they needed to go that he showed up personally in his glory. And that's Old Testament. Now, watch this now, because we're talking about, tonight we're talking about how do we hear from God? How do we follow his plan? He loves us so much that that pillar of fire that used to appear in the desert is now on the inside of you. The Holy Ghost. Jesus said he'll lead you and guide you into all truth. He'll show us things to come. He'll remind us of things that Jesus has spoken unto us. Are you listening? So the more you get to know God, the more you know how practical God is. He keeps things simple. Would you say that with me? He keeps things simple. Turn to somebody next to you. He keeps things simple. Turn to the person on the other side. He keeps things simple. Why do I say this? Because we've been so religiously trained that God, oh, God is so mysterious. No, he ain't. If he wanted to be that mysterious, he wouldn't have gave us a book that tells us everything about him. If he was intent on being that mysterious and secretive, he wouldn't have put his spirit inside you. Are you listening? Stop. Get out of this super spiritual mindset. God is just just so complicated. No, he ain't. God's not complicated. Very simple. Very simple. Let's go right back to this scripture here. Number one, Proverbs chapter three. What's the first few words? Trust in the Lord. Is anything more simple than that? Trust in the Lord. It all starts out with trusting him more than trusting ourselves. Now, the problem is, the problem is that you and I, from the time that we're young, we are trained to trust ourselves. I get so upset when I hear stuff like this. When I hear, when I hear Christians talking about, you know, you just got to believe in yourself. Believe in myself. I messed, our, I messed my life up so bad. I messed my marriage up, so I messed my family. I messed my, I messed, on my own, I am dangerous. On my own, I should have a restraining order. Not to come within a thousand feet of anybody. And so you keep telling, believe in myself, believe in myself. No, 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 no. Now the Bible tells me that I'm supposed to acknowledge that good thing that's within me. You know who that is, right? That's the spirit of living God. That's the spirit, the Holy Ghost. 
John says, you have an unction. You have an anointing in you, and you know all things. That doesn't mean that you're a know-it-all. It means that when I need to know what I need to know, I'll know it. Why? Because I got the knower on the inside. But you see, if, we're li- if our lives are so cluttered and so busy, and that's the theme for this year, getting our hearts uncluttered, getting back to the simple things, getting back to hearing God. And we, we're trained from the time that we're, we're little to trust in ourselves, to trust in our own ideas, to trust in our instincts. And that's why we get messed up. Psalm 20, verse 7, man, this is so awesome. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. What's he saying? Don't, don't trust on natural things. Don't put your trust in natural things. And that's the danger sometimes of success. You know, success is sometimes more dangerous than failure. When you know you failed, you know who you got to run to. When you succeed, you start going, wow, that worked. That worked. You know what? I'll do it again that way next time. And you do it again that way next time. Let me tell you something. It's dangerous in ministry. It's dangerous when you're successful in ministry. Because you start now relying, well, that idea worked. Let's do it again. That's why I love how God reserves the right to just come in and just sweep you out of left field. And just, oh, God, what, what, what's going on here, you know? He wants us to be dependent upon him. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Because I've had to live this way for many years. You know, he sees the big picture. He sees the things that we don't see. He sees the obstacles. He sees the things in the road that are going to cause us to be discouraged, distracted, delayed. We cannot put our trust in natural things. We have got to be living constantly with a faith that is just passionate about trusting God. When we put ourselves in in his hands, he's always going to come through. You know, I found out, and I want to talk about this for a minute here, is morning prayer. Now, now I, I'm not going to get legalistic on you. If you have, you mean, if, you know, depending on what time of the day you get up and when you go to work or what your schedule is like. But I have found in my life that getting up first thing in the morning and setting some time aside. Now, now I wish I could tell you it happens every day. Okay, I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you. Uh, I want to live longer. But I notice... And I'm sure those of you that are practicing the same thing, and, and it's not ritualistic, it's just a natural thing. It's a natural thing. When you, when you get up in the first thing in the morning, you just, you just pray or just get into the Word or just spend time there. I remember many, many years ago, many years ago, when we were living in that house that I was talking about in Lakewood, there was a time period there, for I don't know how many, probably lasted about six months, maybe more. I would wake up almost every night at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Now, the devil, the devil, you see, the devil will try to monopolize a situation and try to take control of a situation. And so the first few times that that happened, I'm thinking to myself, Lord, is there something dangerous going on? Is there something I should know about? And it wasn't. And so what I would do is I would literally go out, and my wife, I don't know if she remembers this or not, I would just get out of our bedroom, you know, our, there was a ranch, so everything was on the first floor. And so we, I just walked down the hallway, and I would go sit in the living room. Just sit in the living room. I wouldn't put the TV on. I wouldn't put nothing. Just sit there and go, Lord, I'm, I'm just going to sit here. If you've got anything you want to talk to me about, I'm here. If not, I'll just hang out. And I can't tell you how many times the Lord would speak to me that, that, that pray for this person. Pray for that person. This is going on in this individual's life. Uh, you know, and it doesn't always have to be that way. It could be, the, could be about your own kids. I can't tell you how many times the Lord would open my eyes and, and, and make me see things that were going on in my own children's lives. 
But you see, it's about putting the time aside. Why? Because I trust him. I trusted him that that time, whatever it was, was it was an hour, two hours, three hours, whatever it was, whether it was 15 minutes, I trusted him that if there was something he needed to speak to me about, he had my attention. Do you know that's what he really wants is our attention? God's very simple. So Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17 says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. And you know, I saw another translation translates dig diligently to early. So it would read this way, and those who seek me early will find me. Why is it important? What do you think? Because God's got to, you know, he's got to commute, and he's got to get up and take a shower and all this other stuff. So no. What, what, do you, what, what it's really saying here is this. When you put me first, how many of you started the day, you just got out of bed, jumped into it, ran, and just did what you had to do, and you realized, man, what a wasted day. I got nothing accomplished, and the little bit that I did get accomplished was through blood, sweat, and tears and frustration. Try to do that this year. Try to make a habit of it. Make it a lifestyle. Not, not ritualistically. Like, oh my God, oh my God, I overslept today. Oh my God, is the ground going to split open in front of me? No, that, that, that's, that's stupidity. Actually, that's a distrustful attitude towards God. But just, just put him first. We'll talk a little bit more about it. Okay. Um, when we choose to trust God with our decisions and direction, it opens up the door for his guidance. It's called faith. Amen. It's seeking God's direction rather than coming up with your own. You know, the Israelites, uh, the Bible tells us in, uh, <coughs> in the book of Hebrews that the entire history of the Israelites, in other words, most of the Old Testament, is given to us as an example. It's given to us to follow an example. In other words, um, I, I remember telling someone early on when we first started the church, you know, I said to this individual, you know, I feel like all I've learned up to this point is what not to do. And this individual said to me, that's probably the most powerful lesson you're ever going to learn in your life, what not to do. And see, we have the example of the Israelites. Not that we're looking down on them. We're not being condescending. But Paul himself said that we had them as an example. Now, there were times when they did things right, and it, and it benefited them. But there were also times when, when they didn't do things right. And, and it did not bring any benefit. In fact, it brought curse. It brought tragedy. It brought calamity into their lives. And so we need to... We need to Try to get to a place where we're hearing from God. And he's telling us here very simply, the first step is to trust in me. Trust. You know, I guess, I guess the first step is trust is because why would you want to listen to somebody that you don't trust? Right? Would you want to listen to somebody who's made 16 mistakes and the same thing that you're, you're trying to do yourself and, and they've never succeeded yet? Why would you want to listen to them? But by just token of the fact that we, but, 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 but just pure fact that we're willing to sit and, and hear from him is an act of trust. It's an act of trust. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 says this Therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to, to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. In other words, they didn't trust God's word. They didn't trust that he was going to take them across the Red Sea. He, they didn't trust that he was going to bring them into the promised land. 
They didn't trust that he was going to defeat their enemies. They were always second guessing, always trying to come up with their own thing. He wants us to trust him. Let me read it to you in the Amplified Version. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith, with the leaning of the entire personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom and goodness by those who heard it. And I'll never forget when the Lord really impressed upon my heart to sell a business, uproot our family, go to Oklahoma, go to Bible school with the intention to come back to start this church. You got to understand the context of that decision that we made. You got to understand the context of the challenge that God issued. We were just coming out of bankruptcy. I had just started another business, and it was the first two years we couldn't even take a paycheck. I had just started taking a paycheck. You know what that means? For you now that you get a paycheck every week, it might mean anything. But when you haven't had one for two years, and you're still working. So, so when the Lord spoke to him, I'm like, uh, are you kidding? Now you, want me to, now you want me to walk away from everything? Why didn't you send me two years ago when we had nothing? Why? He wanted us to trust him. And we had to trust him. And we had to follow that. And we had to, we had to be obedient to that. But you see, he had established a track record in our lives. And when you let God establish a track record in your life, it's easier to trust him. Amen? Amen. Now listen, I want to I make this statement to you. <clears throat> Excuse my voice. The reason that the Israelites had a rough time in their journey was because many times they blocked the flow of grace toward them by their lack of faith. The church needs to understand this. And, and you, above all people here, you need to understand this, okay? I know there's a lot of teaching about grace that's gone on in the past at least five to eight, ten years, and it's wonderful, and it's needed. But the connection between grace and faith is what's not being taught. It's being taught by some, but not by, not by enough. You see, there's this cloudy religious idea. Well, we're in the age of grace, so God's going to cover everything for me. Okay, and that's wonderful if that was true. But how do I access that grace? And if it's true, why isn't it happening for everyone? If we're living under this blanket of grace, and trust me, we are, why isn't it working for everyone? Because there's a trigger. There is a part that we have to cooperate Okay, we're not to take the grace of God for advantage. In fact, Paul taught about frustrating the grace of God. If the grace of God was just out there for everybody, then we wouldn't have to worry about frustrating the grace of God. How do you frustrate the grace of God? You stop trusting him. Every time the Israelites grumbled and complained, you know, maybe we should teach on that this year. That whole journey there. Man, it's a miracle that any of them made it. They fr See, God had a flow of grace going towards them. God, listen to me, God has a flow of grace going towards your life. But if you're constantly with your mouth saying, I don't know if I could trust him, I don't know what to do, I don't know if God's going to come through this time, I, you know what, it's like, you're, what are you, you're frustrating, you're blocking the flow of grace 
And every time that they had an opportunity to trust him, when they grumbled against Moses, when they grumbled against God, what happened? That grace just froze. Now, you and I, yes, we're living in the dispensation of grace. But we're also living in the dispensation of justification by faith. Are you catching this? We are living in the age of justification by faith. We are not justified in the sight of God by works. We are justified. We receive our salvation by faith. Why? Because it's a work of grace, yes? How is it accessed? By faith. So, So what's the greatest way to make sure that the grace, the flow of grace that's coming towards you is not blocked? Keep trusting him. Keep trusting him. Don't worry about what it looks like. You know, we're in a position right now where there's a lot of transition going on. A lot of transition going on. Here in the ministry, a lot of Pastor Mike is in Australia. That was like ripping my heart and my right arm out. You know, there's other people that are transitioning in different positions and different things. And it's like, just, you know, in my natural, I'm like, man, I just got to the place where I can kick back once in a while. I just got to the, bla- the place where I can, like everything's going good, you know. Pastor Cap's an awesome administrator and, and my wife's doing great and, that, and this one and that one. Everybody's in position. And then it's like, whoop, the rug gets pulled right out of the niche. And I said to somebody, it seems like every two or three years, God puts you back in a position where you have to trust him again. So what do I got to do? I got to not lean on my own understanding. I, I you know. Uh, you know, we laugh in our house because we say, you teach your kids to follow God, and then sometimes you taught them too well. <laughs> but we're grateful. We're thankful. So, number two. Number one is what? Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust hey, with me. Trust yeah, you guys sound real excited tonight. <clears throat> you sound like my voice. Number one. How hard is that? Simple, just trust. Just, just, tr- well, I don't know. No, trust is a decision. You make the decision to trust in the Lord. And then he goes on to say what? And lean not on your own understanding. Does he know us or what? Because he knows the thing that's going to stop us from trusting in him is leaning on our own understanding. This just means that we need to lean into God more than we need to lean into our own brain power. Okay? Again, that message in Hebrews chapter 4, and he amplified. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it did not, wasn't mixed with faith. They didn't lean on God 100%, totally trust him. The way we lean on to God is by presenting every part of our lives before the Lord in prayer and confessing our need for him. It's not wrong for us to confess our need for him. Jesus experienced the frustration of dealing with people that were constantly leaning on their own understanding. I can't even imagine how frustrating it must have been for him. Let me take you to one instance in, in, in the Gospels of where Jesus is explaining something to them. They don't get it because they're leaning on their own understanding. John chapter 2, verse 13. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the the changers' money and overturned the tables. Verse 16, and he said to those who sold the doves, take these things away. Now, can I just just go on a little side journey here? Can can I just, thank you, Anna. Can I go on a little side journey over here? I want to show you the nature and the heart 
of Jesus. Okay? Let's go back to that. Let's go back to the other, to where we first started with this. Go back a couple of verses. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, okay? And he found in the temple, this is in the temple, the holiest place on earth, in the temple, those who sold oxen and sheep and doves. And, and that wasn't, you know, they needed that because they needed the sacrifices to bring in. And the money changers doing business because they had a real good routine going on because you couldn't use regular money when you went in the temple. They had a special temple money. And so they were making money on that. And, and when he had made a whip of cords, now watch this. People said, well, you know, Jesus lost it too. Jesus had anger issues. He took the time to make a whip out of cords. Are you getting this? He took the time to make the whip out of cords. Now watch this. And he drove them all out of the temple, and the sheep and the oxen poured out the changes of the money and overturned the tables. Now, when he poured out the money and overturned the tables, where did the money go? On the ground. They can easily pick it up, right, and get it out of there. Yes? Next thing. And he said, watch this. And he said to those who sold doves. Now, what are doves? What do birds do? Thank you. So he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. They didn't suffer loss. He taught them a lesson. But he was very specific that they would not suffer loss. Instead of just busting, because I hate that, because the movies show him like a maniac with a two-by-four grabbing, busting everything up. That's not how it happened. The scriptures are very plain. He said to the ones with the doves so that they wouldn't suffer loss, take these things away. Amen. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Keep going. Then, he said, then his disciples re remember that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Keep going. And so the Jews answered and said to him, what sign do you show us since you do these things. What, 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 what were they asking for? What? Sign. sign. What sign? What natural thing? What thing that I can look at and come to a conclusion with do you give me? And Jesus answered, said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. And the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. Will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples, now they didn't even get it. His disciples had to wait till he's, after he died and rose from the dead. Then they went, oh, that's what he was talking about. The danger of leaning on your own understanding is this, that God may be wanting to speak something to you, show something to you, but you're so much in your own head that you don't even leave the possibility that he may be using a symbol, he may be using an illustration, he might be using a picture to try to teach you something. I'm glad that he does because I don't know, I see in pictures. When the Lord's showing me something, I see in pictures. I see the thing coming together. I see it happening. Many times I've told you when we're reading a scripture, now put yourself in that situation. Now let's put ourselves in a situation. Where is he when this is happening? In the temple. So it'd be very easy for them to come to that conclusion if they're used to leaning on their own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. You getting this? Number three, 
in all your ways acknowledge him. I think this is the one where we miss it sometimes. We just jump into things. We just, we get an idea and we just want to run with it. So many times I catch ourselves, I'll be honest with you, I wish it didn't happen this way. So many times in a staff meeting, we'll sit there and bang our head against the wall for an hour and try to figure something out and I'll sit there and go, what a jerk. We didn't pray. We didn't acknowledge him. And then sometimes we'll stop. Say, okay, let's pray. Father, we're sorry. We, we, messed it. we, we wasted an hour here. And you've you got the answer all the time. This is the next step to following God's plans for our life. Make him the center and the focus of all we do. Are you listening? Dedicate every time of prayer, every plan, every discussion. And we're just, what we're doing is just acknowledging our dependence on the Lord. In all your ways, acknowledge him. I came across this from a Christian author named Chris, I don't know how to say his last name, Pobletti. Imagine what the day would look like if, when you woke up, you acknowledged him. When you get out of bed, you acknowledge him. When you get ready to go to work, you acknowledge him. Now, what do most of us do? Oh, I got to go to that miserable job again. Oh, that stinking boss, I can't stand him. And if that other one shows up again today, yeah, go ahead. When you eat your breakfast, the first meal of the day, acknowledge him. When you step outside and take a breath of fresh air, the first breath, acknowledge him. When you sit down at your desk or whatever it is that you work from, acknowledge him. What does it take? It takes an awareness of, of who we are. It takes an awareness of who he is. It takes an awareness that we're connected to him. When you go to bed, you don't disconnect from God. You pick up the next one, okay, put, put it back together again. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you always. And you've got his spirit living on the inside of you. My God, how much more convenient can it get? I think possibly that some of the problem, that this, the reason why this comes hard to us is because it involves, it involves humbling ourselves. It's humbling to have to say, I, I, I don't know how to do this, or to acknowledge him in everything that we do. It's humbling, because we want to think that we got it all together. Well, maybe you don't. Maybe the person next to you does. We want to think that we've got it all together. We want to think that we can do this on our own. And the truth of the matter is, there, there's, there, there's, you know, you may do something, but it might not be the way it's supposed to be done. Are you listening? First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says this, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. And be clothed with humility. humility. Wow. If I have to be clothed with humility, that means that I have a choice. That means that it's not going to happen automatically. Are you listening? We weren't born with clothes on. Did you notice that? Uh, you have to make a decision to wear clothing. And so we're being told here, like we would put clothing on, that it's a choice for us to make to clothe ourselves with humility. And I think one of the best ways to do that is to follow Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't think that you're such a hot shot. Anybody ever met a hot shot person that thinks they know everything? Don't, don't put your hand up. Any, anybody ever been a hot shot person that thinks they know everything? Hallelujah. So, so listen, we need to, uh, let me finish the scripture. Uh, this is good. Okay? 
Uh, we're told to submit ourselves to, to elders, be submissive to one another, and be clothed. Just do that with me, please. Just do that little spiritual exercise. Be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud. Man, when things are not going right, I used to be the type of person, when things were not going right, the first thing I do is go after the devil. You know what I'm talking about. Go after the devil. It's got to be the devil because he can't be you. can't be me. can't be because I, I got everything going right. I'm good. I'm good. We're good. Everything's fine. You know what I'm saying? So I'd go after the devil and, and nothing would change. And, and if it was a devil involved, it would have to change. Why? Because Jesus said we have authority over him. Jesus said, in my name, cast out devils. You listening? He gave us authority over the power of the enemy. So if there was a devil involved, something would, it would change like this. But I noticed it wasn't changing. It was getting worse. Then I started coming across the scripture and realizing, oh, wait a second. I'm experiencing resistance that's coming from me. That's originating in me. Now, now, don't get me wrong. There are times when the enemy will resist you. And you have to, you know, steadfast resist him. Submit to God, resist the enemy, and he'll flee from you. But you see, when it's, when, it's an, when, it's, when, it's, when it's an actual root of pride, oh, the devil don't even have to get up that day. The devil doesn't have to lift a finger in your life. When you come to that place where you're, you're, you're just, it's just pride, it's pride. You don't want to humble yourself. You don't, know, you don't want to admit that you're needy. You don't want to admit that you don't know everything. You don't want to, that's, you know, the whole thing with guys with directions. That's obvious right there. Don't want to admit that we're lacking someplace. And I started realizing when I would get out of that mode, all of a sudden things would just burst loose. It would just bust open. Why? Because God gives, God resists the proud, but he gives what? To who? Who, who gets grace? The humble. The humble. And then, and then, Verse 6, therefore, humble yourselves. Now, now oh, man, I could preach a week on this one. Because there's so many people in church that think it's their job to humble you. <laughs> Tell you everything you're doing wrong. Right? But the fact of the matter is, the Bible tells us, the Holy Ghost is telling us that we're to humble ourselves. My gosh, if that's what it's going to take to hear from God. And let's just humble ourselves. Let's just, 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 let's just acknowledge the fact that he's God and we're not. Amen. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may what? Exalt you in due time. Verse 7, casting all your care upon him for he what? Cares for you. Now that's humbling. It's humbling to have to come to God and go, oh, you know, I, I, I've been trying to do this on my own, but you know, Lord, it's just not working out here. And, and actually, if we read that in the original language, it says to take careful aim, like, like, a, like a real basketball pro. You know, not just me, I, the, the ball would be all over the place. But like just taking aim to try to get that basket. It's like take your cares and just carefully aim and just cast them over on him. Why? Because he cares for us. But it's going to take humbling. It's going to take humility. Amen? Amen. 
the Apostle Paul wanted to teach the Philippian church about this. And he wrote to them in, in chapter 4, in verse 6, uh, this is a great reminder here that um, we're making the wrong decision as long as we don't bring everything to him in prayer. Can you give me that scripture? Can you put that up there? Philippians. Be what? Anxious. Now, what would make me anxious? Come on, let's pull this apart here. Let's not, let's not be like everybody else that they read a scripture and it goes, Whoosh. well, what did it mean? I don't know, but it sounded good. <laughs> be anxious for nothing. Well, what would make me anxious to begin with? Not trusting God. <laughs> not trusting God. If I'm, if I'm living a lifestyle of not trusting God, guess what I'm going to have? If you don't trust God, what's the end result? Anxiety. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. What is that? Acknowledging God. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Man, that's one we should preach a seminar for a week on. Somebody said to me, well, how come when you guys pray, when you guys, how come when you guys pray, you're always praying thanks about something you don't have yet? Well, faith tells me I have it. If I have to wait till I have it to say thank you, I'm not going to see it. Are you guys getting this? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And so what happens after that? As a result of that, and the What? The peace, could we say it a different way? And the shalom and the completeness which comes from God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your what? Hearts and mind through who? Christ Jesus. Number one, trust in the Lord. Number two, lean not on your understanding. Number three, acknowledge him. And then what happens? And the Bible tells us that when we acknowledge him, he'll direct our paths. He'll direct us. Amen? Amen. That's the confidence that we have in God. That if we trust in the Lord and lean not on our understanding, always acknowledging him, we'll stay in the right path. We won't get off course. We can trust that he knows more than us about the road that we're on. Amen? Amen? It will result in us staying in his perfect will for our lives. His perfect will for our lives. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Awesome scripture. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. That we should walk in. In all, in all our ways, acknowledge him. And he will what? Direct our path. That, that we should walk in. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should do what? Walk in. Now, if you're not trusting God, if you're constantly leaning on your own understanding, if you're not acknowledging in all his ways, in all your ways, how are you going to get to this scripture? How are you going to get to that place of walking in the things that God prepared for you before the foundation of the earth? You know, I lived my life in a lot of frustration for many years before I got into the ministry. And that was my life. This is what I'm supposed to do. Come hell or high water, come whatever else, you can't take me out of here. As much as sometimes I'm like, you know what? Why? Because I know there's not going to be any contentment outside of here. Why? This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I was born for. This is what I was made for. Now, for you, it may be a career. It may be another vocation. Whatever. I don't know what it is. But all I know this is that you're going to be frustrated until you find out what he's got for you. How are you going to find out what he's got for you if you don't learn to trust him? 
if you're constantly leaning on your own understanding. If I would have listened to the people around me tell me what I was supposed to do all my life, forget it. We'd have been worse shaped than what we're in. You listening to me? If we're not getting to the place where we're acknowledging him in all of our ways, even in your frustration, acknowledge him. Oh, man. Even in your frustration, look, Lord, I'm feeling frustrated. I don't know what it's about. I know you have an answer. I'm trusting you that you are going to bring me through these walls of frustration. You're going to take me through, and I'm going to come up on the other side of this thing, and I'm going to walk in peace. I'm going to walk in shalom. I'm going to walk in wholeness. I'm going to walk in completeness. Even in your frustration, acknowledge him. Psalm 23, verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For who? For his name's sake. I want to end with the scripture. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. From the Amplified Version. This is how. People say, well, how did you hear from God? to know that you're supposed to go to Bible school? How did you hear from God to know which Bible schools? How did you hear from God to know when? How did you hear from God to know that you're supposed to come back and start this church? How did you hear from God to know which people were supposed to be involved with you in the beginning? How did you hear from God? Here it is. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace, indeed, you were what? called as members in one body of believers and be thankful to God always. You have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit. If you are a believer, if you were here tonight and you at some point in your life, whether it was today or whether it was 50 years ago, at some point in your life, you said, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you, God raised you from the dead. Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior, come into my life. If you ever did that at any point in your life, you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. He's in there. And he's in there for specific purposes and reasons. And one of them is to guide you, to make sure that you stay in the path. Make sure you get on the path and make sure that you stay on the path. Make sure, he's there to make sure that you're in God's divine timing. Do you realize that there is a divine timing with God? Okay, do you realize this? You see it in the scriptures. The Bible talks about due time, that there was a specific time for Jesus to come to the earth. There were certain things that had to be in place. And God will take centuries to get that going. God was working in your ancestors generations and generations ago to set things up for you to be walking in what you're walking in now. Are you hearing me? So, so I would just, having been taught by someone who had walked this way, okay? I thank God for the ministry of Kenneth Hagin. Some of you know who he is, some of you don't. You need to go read his books, okay? He taught how to hear from the Holy Ghost. He taught how to be led by the Spirit of God. And, and I would just apply those things that he, that he taught, that you keep going as long as you sense a green light on the inside. When you sense a red light, you stop. You don't go, you don't go backwards. You stand, you wait. You know, I'm talking figuratively. You stay there till you wait and see. And that's, that's all I could tell you is that I began to walk things out. 
began to speak things that seemed like they brought peace, that they just made sense. It almost feels natural. Did you ever have that? Did you ever meet someone and then it feels natural to have that person in your life? Did you ever, like some people say, you know, come to the church for the first time or second time or third time, whatever. You know, it just feels like this is home. It's just that natural peace on the inside. And he says, let peace be an umpire, settling, settling. What does an empire do? An empire, when an empire speaks, that's it. You're going to argue with him, you get thrown out of the game. And so let that, 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 that sense of being connected to God, he wants you in his will way more than you even want to be in his will. And so you just keep, you keep going, you keep going until you sense, okay, now it's time to stop. Just no, we can't go any further. Okay, something obviously has to take place. Something has to fall into place because it's like it's all these puzzle pieces that have to fall into place. Okay, oh, they fell into place. Okay, there's a sense of let's go now. Let's go now. It's time to do this. If you'll commit yourself to the Lord and tell him, listen, I'm willing for you to move me from A to B, from B to C, from whatever, wherever you need to bring me. And don't get shaken. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own descending because sometimes he may send you in a direction that looks completely opposite of where he really wants you to go. You don't realize sometimes preparation time. Time spent in preparation is never time wasted. Time spent in preparation is never time wasted. We get so bound up. I mean, I, I was there. I was there. I wanted to go to Bible school. The second year I was born again, back in 19, I was born again in 84, 86, I got my business up for sale. My wife had just gotten saved. She had just come to the Lord. So she's freaking out because now her husband's like, you know, tampering with the stability of the family. What do you, what do you mean you're going to sell the business? No, no, well, I'm supposed to go to Bible school, Rob. You don't understand. I have a call of God in my life. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> but you understand, I got a call of God in my life, Barb. This is 86, okay? 84, 85, 86. I got a call to God. What does it mean? I, I don't know what it means. All I can tell you is that I, I'm not supposed to just sit in a pew someplace. I just knew that. And I started to try to make it happen. Thank God the Lord stopped it. And so I put the business up for sale in 1986. And then we started having kids like, like rabbits. <laughs> Was that wrong? Shouldn't have said that. It's all right. They know what it means. <clears throat> and so it was 11 years later that we finally got to Bible school. 11 years later, finally got to sell the business. Why? It wasn't God's timing. Now, now, if I would have pushed through, he let me do it. I would have suffered the consequences and together with my family. You can't push through. can't push through. God's timing is so important. And, and listen to me, there's never a time in life when God's timing doesn't apply. Because some people, as you, know, you start getting older, you know, I'm not there yet, but as some people, as you start getting older, they start thinking, well, God's timing doesn't matter anymore. Oh, no, God's timing matters until the last, <gasps> God's timing still matters. Because there's a prescribed day for that to happen. So this new year that we're in now, and I forgot we're out of time. This new year that we're in now, it's extremely important. We can't fool around anymore. There's too many lives that get shipwrecked. Too many people have wind up washed up on some desert island someplace, you know, figuratively speaking. 
because they didn't listen to God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, and whatever it is, whatever it is, acknowledge him. If you're going to go shopping for a car, if you're going to go shopping for furniture, shopping for a house, if you're going to consider taking a new job, dear God Almighty, commit those things to God. Lord, I'm acknowledging you. What is your will here for me? Is this an open door? Is this from you? Is this from the enemy? Is, is this just me trying to push the door open? And please, if it is, shut the door, bolt it, cement it. Don't let me go through this. You hearing me? Let's make that commitment this year. Uh, you'll save yourself so much aggravation, so much trouble. Amen? Amen. Stand up. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.